to the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. All right, welcome. Today is, what is today? Today is July 14th, 2019. And you know what today is? Today is actually the one-year anniversary of us starting this thing. The is old, it? Yeah, one year ago, one year and a day ago, or uh, 364 days ago, we started this. This wow, is our first time flies. Our first old grab podcast was uh, a year ago. So this is episode number 20, and they've they've been roughly an hour to an hour, 20 hour and a half. That's 30 hours of just jaw jacking with uh, classmates. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Time well spent. Well, I, I think it's been time well spent. People have really enjoyed it. I mean, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback from people. And so tonight, episode 20, we have a special guest. It's our classmate from uh, company H1, which is Kevin Berry. Kevin, you there? I'm here. Root hog or die. Root hog or die. Root hog or die. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> how are things? Oh, they're good, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on. And hello to, hello to everybody. Yeah, hello to everybody too, and thanks and thanks for coming on. I mean, this has been a um, this has been a kind of learning experience. I feel like I've gone back and I've listened to a couple of the old episodes, and we're making trying to make improvements all the way along. Joe gives me some pointers at the end of it, saying you got to pay better attention to the guests. They say something, <laughs> they say something, and then and then you blow them off because you're looking at your computer at the same time, which is what I'm doing right now. I want to make sure that we're online with Facebook, yeah. which I think we are. Yes, and here's a tip. No microphone drift. No microphone. Like, oh, don't move my face around? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's can. hard to look at the computer and then, yeah, yeah. okay. Well, I'm learning. I'm learning. You're learning. And we're also, we're in a different, we're in a different location tonight because we're moving the studio. We're moving yes. across the hallway in the building that we're at. So this is, so we're in a makeshift, uh, makeshift situation right now, but it's not so bad. We're actually, this is a more relaxing situation. We're sitting oh, on yes. couches as opposed to yeah. sitting at desks. So that's kind of cool. Progress. There yeah, you go. Yeah. So, Kev, what's going on, man? Give me the give me the rundown. You're you're living in D.C. and you're working for for Pepsi, I think. And so, give yeah. me the whole rundown. Give me a situation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, retired a couple of years ago, three years ago, got out, and uh, of course, uh, was working at the Pentagon and was able to transition out. Got a picked up a job. Uh, for, uh, at a pet with PepsiCo, I'm on the Frito Lay side, so I'm their senior. They call it a senior sales zone director. Um, pretty, pretty good gig, actually. Uh, in charge of 13 districts across the Frito Lay enterprise, run all of uh, you know Washington D.C. all the way out to Ocean City and Bethany Beach, Dover, Delaware. That area pretty much covers the territory. Um, about 3,000 stores total. Uh, so it's really good. It turned out to be a really good fit. It turned, it's a sales, sales management job. Fits well for, for anybody transitioning out as an army officer. So you actually are in Bethany Beach right now because you guys are on vacation, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Bethany Beach, but uh, trying not to work either. I'm doing some, doing some vacation as I sit in my middle of my territory as well. Cool. Well, hopefully uh, this is not like work related and it's not taking you away from your family and you get to relax a little bit. So uh, hopefully. No, nah, this, nah, this is good stuff here. 
Yeah. This is vacation. Yeah, yeah. You got some, you got a good week for it too. It's beautiful. It's been hot as hell this week in the uh, northeast and uh it's been good good beach days I think too, right? Oh yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. Running, you know, it's ninety, nice breeze going. No storms. If you've been on the east coast, you know, it's been doing nothing but rain in the last eight months. So this is this is lovely. So Bethany Beach is north of a place called Dewey Beach, and Dewey Beach was a place that I used to frequent when I was back in my single officer days back in uh, Fort Eustis, and uh, that's where all the the young uh, single people from D.C. come out to come out to there. And I ran into all people, our classmate Robbie Cahill. Robbie Cahill used to go to Dewey Beach all the time, and I also saw. Elad Uran was there, and uh, I mean the place is just crazy. It's like spring break for adults. It was I had some crazy yeah. stories from back then. Yeah, Dewey, I could I could see that Dewey, Dewey Beach, a little whole whole stretch. Uh, you know, you got the whole Rehoboth, and uh, you get some of everything. DC DC's uh, summer homes are all all out here. Everybody transitions out this way. So. Uh, you're, you and your family have been living in the D.C. area for five or six years now, I guess, if you count the last stint with the uh, Pentagon plus your transition to civilian world? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've been so we've been in the same, when I retired, we were able to stay in the same house and everything. So it has, yeah, it has worked out. It's now officially home. Cool. Yeah. Speaking of retirement, too, you just reminded me, uh, just going back to one of the purposes of this podcast is to celebrate the achievements of our classmates uh, where necessary to lift them up as well. And uh, Mike Rooney re- retired. I saw a picture of him uh, with his official retirement photo with his, with his family. So congratulations to Mike and the Rooney family. Uh, you guys are, you know, thank you for your service. Duty shall be done. We have a couple, um, I think now's the time where we've seen a lot of our classmates who are uh, going to be getting out pretty soon. So, uh, so congratulations to yeah. them, and obviously congratulations to you, Kev. I mean, you had, you know, a stellar military career. Uh, what twenty six years, I guess, altogether. You got out, I think, in twenty sixteen, right? Yeah, it ended up being twenty six. And yes, yeah, congratulations to those re- retiring, Rooney's awesome, and, uh, and the ones that are still in there doing the doing that tough work. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate their service. So I think, like, for a senior military officer like yourself, uh, you took, like, a little bit of a path less traveled moving into the type of corporate America role that you took on. Like, a lot of times, especially living in the D.C. area, there's a lot of those Beltway bandits. You can, you know, easily slip into a job, do some program management or support in the defense industry. But you decided to take a whole different path. What, like... Can you, yeah. can you like elaborate a little bit about that? And I know that you said Matt Lewis, who we had on last, last podcast was helpful yeah. and some, some other folks. So like, like, tell me about the process of that transition for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, it's a, it's a definite, definite, a different, different path. You know, I, you know, when I was transitioning out, I was trying to f- figure out what I wanted to do. And I just didn't have, other than, uh, you know, <clears throat> I kind of eventually, you know, wanted to hedge into my own, own business, but to, to just step out the step out the door there, I, I knew what I didn't want to do. <laughs> I started there, so I was trying to do anything I could do to. to I just didn't want to go back in the Pentagon. Once I left there. Uh, I 
Matt Lewis, by the way, is a rock star. He and uh, <laughs> reached out to him, and that guy, he and Grant Hasselman, and they took me out to to uh, dinner one night, and they started talking to me about all the potential that was out there. You know, you kind of have to dividing up the things that you could do, um, and so I kind of started off that one dinner sparked me into, you know what. I think I want to go on to give this corporate thing a try. Um, and so I went from there, kind of dug, you know, did, did all the analysis that Matt had me do, you know, write down everybody to know network. He, he had me do this exercise. It was really good. He's like, what? Write down everything that's done in the army. Like that you can put your hands on it. I went home, put that thing on a, a, Excel spreadsheet and then it it pointed into the direction of what I'm doing now which is uh you know it's pointed into always leading small teams of some sort or you know just being a kind of team lead and being a servant leader and that's what I thought out found a found a place that I was getting out I didn't want to do didn't want to have too many direct you know reports after coming out of the military I knew what that would bring. Uh, and I knew I wanted to be on the corporate side. Went into kind of looking for a fast-paced industry. So I always enjoyed the front line, so that's what I do. Cool. That's, yeah. that's great. That's great. And you were um, – so you got out what, three years ago? Is, is, is that the – Three actually, years. Three years. So what was that first, like – one month, three months, six months, like for you, like, what, did you have like imposter uh, syndrome? Were you feeling like, 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 <laughs> like you're walking on the moon or something? Yeah, I tell you. Oh, first, is anybody getting out? And at our time, you know, if you're you're in your uh, middle aged life, if we want to call it that, it is scary after doing a full career in the in the military. It is really scary. Uh, uh, you know, stepping out just because you, you think about it. From the time we were kids, you didn't make a lot. Of, you didn't have to make a lot of decisions like what to wear or whatever. You just had a path, and uh, and it's like for the first time you're like stepping out into the in the wilderness. There, my first time of like realizing that I was in a different uh, kind of different space. I remember my family were we were taking this. Uh, vacation to uh to jamaica I'm on, i was on the plane we're taking off and it starts taking off i have not signed out no one knows where i'm going this is weird <laughs> no one's tracking me in the world so it's just uh you, you know it's the freedom that you, you appreciate and then when you're on this side of it, it, it it's, it's really good it's a good feeling um Going on the corporate side, just stepping out completely away from any of the military, it's, it's different. You know, I had to stop calling my boss, sir, all that stuff, and standing up, and then coming in the room. But uh, yeah, I don't do that anymore. Do so you have any? Uh, you have any military people that work for you, like in your like your direct report network of uh, reps and stuff? I have a. There's a couple, but uh, they're more of the one, you know, individuals who they serve 
three years and got out, you know, it's been 15 years ago. It is really interesting. And I mean, I know many of my classmates out there of uh, how disconnected, that's kind of what I found is of how disconnected uh, people are of the military. Um, I, I always, you know, I'll, I'll be in a group at Pepsi and I'm like, hey man, it's Kevin, what'd you do in the service? Yeah, you know, I re- re- retired out. I did 26 years, and I, of course, tell them I was a taxi pilot. I'm expecting somebody to say something. Oh, man, that's great. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to whatever. You know, we got to do this. So it's just, it's just really, really different. You know? But when you talk to somebody who's in the military and you say, I spent 26 years, that's probably a oh, five- yeah. or ten-minute conversation, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, and then you try to figure out who you know, like if you know people that are together and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can, uh, we, we, you can go to town, uh, with, uh, you know, those that have the, you know, those connections out there. But it's, you know, it's, it shows you the, I think when, when you're in, you, right, rightfully so, you believe the world kind of revolves around the, the services and you step out, you realize, why you need to service so much more and you need individuals, you know, like those servants because there is such a disconnect. You know, I think it's also, it's, it's odd too, because you think the the army is, you think of it as a small place, right? Because you, you, especially having spent four years at West Point and you got a thousand connections that are like, they got another, you know, a couple hundred connections. You actually know there's like, you know, there's a million nodes in this neural network, you know, but it is very possible to not, to serve, in the same, you know, general area and not know somebody, even after 26 years. I mean, I was talking to Moose George, and he was mentioning, he was mentioning, he was working across the hallway from somebody, and then, and like, for years, and didn't even realize it was one of our classmates. Oh, yeah, that's so true. That is so true. Yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, and then, I always thought that, since we were such a small group, I mean, you think a thousand of us or whatever, the final number, nine, nine fifty and change, uh, in, in any given time, and we, you know, we did our assemblies, I was thought of like, I think I know everybody. And then you'll be in the military, somebody's talking to somebody. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a 91, you too? What the? So, small world, though. Yeah, definitely a small world. Small world for sure. The uh, and, and the connections, it, like you know, there's a lot of connectivity, but then there's so like I was talking to John Braga, you know, he's by the way recently promoted to to he got a second star, so we've got two classmates that are wearing two stars right now, John Braga and John Richardson. But um, no surprise on either. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we've got tremendous, you know, I mean, tr- tr- just tremendous talent you know, throughout our class. But so. And D.A. Sims is another guy, you know, he's a fast track and he's currently a one star. But he he and John Braga have never crossed paths in the army. <laughs> right. I mean, and, they, and they're serving yeah. in similar units or serving like, you know, both infantry, I believe. And, you know, and John went SF and but they've never been in the same room. They've never been in the same area ever in 28 years. Right. It's the way it wow. works. Yeah, like yeah, like Braga said, the closest they got was one left a note for the other one. Like that was, and it, some they were changing out. They missed each other by a couple of days going through some some location, but that was it. 
They've never wow. been together uh, that in the whole time. So wow, anyway, yeah. So speak. So we have quite a few classmates that are on the line here. So I saw we got Terry Rice, uh, Andrew Hall, Paul Smolchek, uh, Tim Thatcher, your your company mate Thatch, John Abercrombie, Good. Good Scott, <laughs> Hall, Scott Halstead, Reggie Crenshaw, uh, a few others. So welcome to our classmates and go ahead and pepper in questions in the comments feed and I'll try to react to them. Uh, Kyle Spinks joined. So I uh, look forward to uh, hearing back from people. And, um, and in terms of upcoming episodes, so we got one more episode next week. I'm going to be talking to Mark Beeger, who is chief of staff at West Point. And then we're going to take a little break for probably four or five weeks in August and kick back up in September. So that's our, uh, that's our near-term plan. So. Oh, wow. But yeah, Kev. He's a, he's a stud. Yeah, yeah, looking Mark forward. Mark an yeah, awesome and, officer. And his, um, his youngest, I think, is just coming in now in the class of whatever this is, 2023. So the, all three boys are, are uh, going to West Point, I think, is, uh, I think his third third boy oh is that right yeah i know at least he's got two and i think maybe the third uh, well we'll find out next week but um we'll figure that out but he's i think i'm pretty sure all three are gone or have gone but uh keep that uh long gray line going congratulations to him that's right that's right i look forward to uh Finding that out, getting inside scoop. What I may do, I'm thinking about this too. I, I'm going to put out a, uh, I'll put out some sort of a questionnaire, but uh, I may begin password protecting these uh, podcasts on Podbean, just because who knows? Especially for people that are active duty, you wouldn't want some story from way back when somehow being misinterpreted. So I'm gonna, I'm, I may password protect that one, uh, just so that it's not like public, uh, public knowledge, especially since he's, you know, currently active and whatnot. So. We'll see. I'll, yeah. put out the, I'll put out the password in our Facebook page. Um, but uh, I, I know that's a concern that some of our uh, active duty brethren uh, talk about. And, uh, and we should, you know, well, I, I want to I think about, I want to put a pin in this concept of a zero defect military. Because you and I were talking about a little bit in the, pro, in the pre-call. We'll get back to that, talking about mistakes and, you know, how, how, uh, how you can learn from mistakes, but you gotta be real careful who you talk to about mistakes because they can come back and bite you in the butt if you're on active duty. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and that is a yeah, it's a good call because we're about bound to have the uh, next chief of staff sitting right in our classmate in our class. So yeah, might as well uh, definitely protect them. And speaking of chief of staff, so going back, so by the way, we're trying to keep to a. Uh, chronology in this podcast so we're talking about the here and now and the most recent transition then we're going to go all the way back to the beginning talk about kev barry high school graduate basketball rock star track star and then come back through the army back up to the current current day so but just real quickly going back to transition your last job in the army you work for three chiefs of st- chief of the army right chief staff of the army yeah i ended up being a uh, planner a special assistant to, to yeah three of the three of the chiefs you know, shortly before I, I retired. But I, I worked for General Casey, uh, General Dempsey, and then Odie Erno. It was you know if you follow along with the army, it was a short period of time where we went to two chiefs in about an eighteen month time frame. And I, I happened to be the uh, one of the special assistants up there, one of the planners. 
So was Dempsey? So so Casey was just a normal trajectory of time frame, right? And right, Dempsey right. was in and out quick. Why was that? Uh, he, he came on board and immediately, yeah, it must have been uh, a month into the gig, he got picked up to be the chairman. So, you know, there was a kind of domino effect retirement and uh, Dempsey's an awesome officer anyway. It was, was, was pinned for the job. So he essentially sat in the chief's office for about six months, and then uh, Odierno came in uh, right right behind us. So I was, yeah, it's funny, and those and those in the military know that when staffs change, usually uh, or when generals change, almost always their staffs do too. And I, I I think I sweat at each one of those transitions, like what? Oh my God, what are they gonna do with me? Um, but I stayed on board for all all three of them. What a tremendous experience that gives you, like having worked for three, you know, three such senior officers and you have a different viewpoint on leadership styles, philosophies, and kind of like impact of their, of their leadership. So what were some of the observations that you had having been through that rapid cycle? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. It was, it was interesting. You know, you get a, it's a, you're sitting in rooms and uh, and and in discussions that you could never, you know, imagine, you know, from, from being a second lieutenant. Um, but they led, they led, they were, they led all three of them very, very different. You know, I was, I was as a servant Casey. He seemed to be a very into himself uh, type of person. Really, uh, while while he was. I call him a little bit more self-centered. He's still good for the army, you know. He, he, uh, his self-interest to do well, I think, set him up for success because he was trying to build a legacy. Um, but just my observation, just make no mistake about it. If it didn't start with Casey first, then you know, all, all thing else <laughs> weren't, weren't, weren't gonna happen. Um, General Dempsey, just a remarkable individual. He is—he—he he made an impression on me about just people and the uh, leading and serving. That that man treated everyone he ran into the same. It didn't matter if you were a four-star general or private. He treated. He gave the same amount of respect to everyone. He would not. He would not leave a room um, or a. Uh, move forward in his vehicle until everyone in his team was accounted for. It, it was amazing. He would he would wait. Uh, he and his wife wait patiently as the lowest person, you know, finish their meal. Uh, just just remarkable. Uh, and then General Ordiano is probably the coolest general out there when when he was serving. Um, it was nothing to have a trip. You know, down in New York City, and just General O and his whole staff walking, walking down one the streets in New York like a you know, like the mob or something. <laughs> he looks like a mobster. <laughs> he looks awesome. like a mob. He could be. He could be a mobster. Jamie, yeah. <laughs> Jamie, it was awesome. We were. It was one time, and we went to New York. We watched one of the. You know, he's all about it too. He he goes goes by one of the studios. You know, he does wakes up. Does like Good Morning America and all this stuff. 
we, we do all these things. They're just all, you know, you know it's all Hollywood. Um, of course, he's promoting the Army at the same time. Um, we go out to dinner, and there's like 10 of us on staff. We're walking down, got the cigars in our mouth, running to the Italian restaurant. It's awesome. Uh, good man. But oh, always, always, it's down to earth. Um, what I can say about all three of them is uh, while Casey's self, self-centered, self very wise, you know, is more of a legacy. His father was a general. So he kind of, he kind of knew the job. I mean, knew how to be a general. Then it was Dempsey. He's just an academic. He, he, he studied. He went to some travel, always reading, reading new things, actually read through it. To, you know, oh, he's just the man. He's, I would say, uh, Leading, leading with just straight gut leadership, you know, and uh, so just all, all, all different, just awesome, awesome individuals. Yeah, Terry Rice is just saying that uh, Keith Alexander, Martin Dempsey, Dave Petraeus, all were four-star generals, all from the same class, class seventy-four. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I I remember Dempsey. Dempsey had a reading list. I used to try to like he used to publish his reading list. What he's reading, and he would read some. Uh, what the hell was he reading? I'm trying. He was reading something kind of like way liberal. Like I think he was reading like a Rachel Maddow book or something. Oh, or, he read every. He read every. You name it, he would. He'd read it, and if he, um, if he saw you, you know, just casually doing something, reading, he'd come over and ask, "Hey, what's that? What's what's it about? Hey, I might get. I got to get that." Yeah. So. He's just uh, thirst for knowledge. Uh, yeah, definitely what? far and few in the uh, in, in the army at that rank. One of the coolest things that I had this experience, uh, Holly Holly West, uh, our classmate, invited me up to speak to one of her classes, and then she just kind of said, "Hey, by the way, you know, uh, uh, General Dempsey is holding like a uh, like a town hall meeting with all of the staff at West Point. You can come sit in and." Uh, you know, like watch or be a part of it. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So it was, it was really interesting because it was, it was kind of like the town hall meetings that I've been a part of where it's kind of like a general bitch session. Like everybody complaining to the general about what the hell is going on with this. With and he was really good on his feet. He was really good. And I remember some DPE, like some, you know, muscle head stands up. It was like, sir, you know, why are we dropping the standards of ranger school and we're allowing women into ranger school? <laughs> and yeah. and he lit him up. I and mean, General Dempsey, lit, and he also said, I remember him saying, listen, I got two daughters that are both officers. I have no shortage of input on this matter, right? And uh, and he said, there's not only is there not a drop in standards, there's, there's a, you know, a, an, an increased uh, adherence to the standard because nobody wants somebody to get through ranger school uh, and say that they didn't meet the standard. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's you know he's that, and I, I don't, I I can't say what happened, but with the way the army has progressed and and some of the uh, not to get political, but things that we just wouldn't normally do, Gerald has such an open mind uh, that he was able to to kind of push the envelope on just this kind of what you just mentioned. He's off. Yeah. Just, a, just really need to, uh, to 
really, really neat experience. You know, hey, one of the things I picked up from John Dempsey, and I do it even at my um, current job. I took it. I did it. Uh, um, he kind of once I saw him do it, he he briefed like when John Dempsey is going to put out information to soldiers, he'll he'll find a picture and uh, he'll just post the picture up, and he and he lets it speak, and he will talk through it. Uh, and it's powerful uh, as he does it. I remember he would, uh, you know, he's talking about it. Stanton, uh, a form in Korea. We flew into Korea and he's talking about tra- army transformation. And all he did is he posted one picture, this picture of that soldier with the rucksack and it's, you know, four million pounds on his knees. Post that up there and then he starts it off. Like, we got to do better. And we got to transform the army. And he just talks with that with the picture in the background and it just takes your brain on this, on this uh, kind of experience. So really, really, really cool thing he does if anyone, anyone's seen it. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff I find like in the feedback I've gotten from classmates on the old grad podcast. This is the stuff that people eat up the most is, you know, when you're able to sort of, you know, sort of like peel back the, you know, or push back the curtains and understand what's going on behind the, the system, the machine. That's why I'm looking forward to speaking to, Mark Beeger and you know when Holly oh, yeah. talked about the transition like the influence that that superintendents had on the progression of West Point and that General Palmer of all people was one of the most influential superintendents that West Point's ever had we, we I would never would have guessed that you know my, my experience yeah. and, uh, so these this is really interesting like hearing hearing this kind of you know backstory stuff of uh, you know what what that was like did you find like like I also understand the, another thing that's just fascinating to me is the what Andy Hall called the Greybeard Network, like you know, which is really not the most um, politically correct terminology for the retired generals because there's many you know people that don't have beards that are that are women, um, and uh, but how influential those generals are, the retired generals to the generals that are serving actively currently. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, it was. Yeah, that was something too, because there's. I found I need like so when General Casey had it wired with, uh, if you want to call him Greybeard, but he had a, he had him from, kind of in place from retired colonels and positions all the way up to, you know, four stars, I mean, and pretty influential as just being able to have office access, and uh, General Dempsey not. He, he kind of had his own team, but not necessarily ingrained to where you know, somebody wasn't going to talk him into the decision or, or pressure. Um, oh, I think kind of went back not as far into the way Casey ran ran the army, but um, it's definitely out there. That was eye opening. Um, yeah, eye opening to see how much power is kind of sitting. In the winds of those who have, who you wouldn't think would have, you know, that much influence into our our army. You know, I found I, I just I was looking for it here. There's this. So I've I've been involved lately in this thing called the VDP, the Veteran Diversion Program, which you know you're working with some of these veterans who are knuckleheads and get in trouble for something stupid, and you yeah. work with them as a mentor to get them sort of to expunge their record uh, and get them into a, um, you know, healthier sort of, you know, trajectory. 
and um, and then they can get the record expunged, right? So I'm working with this kid, this this you know young man. He's 32 years old and having some problems with um, substance abuse and whatnot. So I, I got his DD-214. I'm looking at his records, looking at his awards. And I'm looking for names that I know on these awards, you know. And so I didn't see anybody that I knew, but I started Googling these awards. Long story short, you know, this unit, it was the uh, 2nd of the 502nd uh, Infantry Division, or 2nd of the 502nd Infantry, um, Bravo Company he was in. Um, or he was in Alpha Company, but Bravo Company is the unit that had these guys go down range and rape a 14-year-old girl and killed their family back in 2005. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so this other three-star general retired, completely just, you know, civilian, takes it upon himself to individually write a report holding accountable the various different commanders of this unit, right? And, like, he had access to, you know, interviews. He knew the right people, knew the way that the, that the unit was supposed to run. He was formerly the hundred. He was the... CG for the hundred and first. I forget the guy's name. I, I love him. looking for the I'm looking for his name. He was also the commander of the uh, War College. And he was like uh he was like a sixty sixty grad, or no, even older even older than that. He was like I forget how old he was, but it was interesting. Like this three this three star general like takes it upon himself to write this independent paper holding accountable currently serving active duty officers. Oh yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Do you know the one I'm talking about? I, I I do and his name name fails me, but um, I know exactly what you're talking about because he he's kind of and he and they the army listens to him. Yeah, um, that guy was not messing around. Yeah, he was not. Because oh, I mean, he would um he he would uh, he uses the FOIA. Right. You, you know with, with yeah, he's, uh, Freedom of Information Act. It, yeah. Is it boy? Boy, it starts with a B. But he is always. Um, yeah, putting position papers just out, and he got a following. And the next thing you know, you know, we're making a decision based off kind of those <laughs> recommendations in the paper. So, uh, yeah, this guy was obviously a very and obviously a great writer, and he was you know you know he's a very cerebral dude, and so he he got a lot of people's heads turning. But I was just I just stumbled on this thing, just trying to figure out this kid's unit. He was not in that unit. He was in Alpha Company, but he was there when that all all this stuff was going down. Wow. So, but uh, yeah. So anyway, it's great talking about the army. But let's go. Let's transition now back to 1986, 1988. You know, graduate of high school, heading to the heading to the prep school. What's going on? Like you were a recruited athlete. You had opportunities to go to Clemson. You were looking at a bunch of other schools for playing basketball or track. Uh, your 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 father was a career uh, army uh, officer, so like, yeah. what was what was that whole buildup like? What made you select West Point, and and how and how was that uh, how was that um, ultimate decision made to go to prep school? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Eighty. Yeah, taking us way way back. But yeah. So yeah, coming out of coming out of um, school, high school. I you know I did it. I played all kinds of sports growing up. Ended up being pretty good in basketball. Um, did some track my junior, like my junior year. Started jumping. Um, track coach asked me to go out there and just give it a try. Told me a lot. There was a lot of 
a lot of young ladies on the track team. So I was, I was like, I'll give that a try. Um, and ended up being really good at, at, at track. What were you doing? What were your events? I did a, a triple jump, long jump, and the and the high jump. Okay. And, and just kind of came out one day and started jumping. Uh, ended up like landing some of the longest jumps in the in the country back in high school. So I, I started getting recruited for for most every you know from every place. Uh, the West Point. It was a couple of things that stood out. You know, my father was a career officer. And so, I just growing up, so growing up, where had you been? Like, like were you all over the world? All, all, all over. But I, I was born in Germany. And I think when it's all said and done, I think my family ended up in nine, nine years there. Um, so half my childhood, right? Spent, spent back and forth to Germany. He was a medical service corps army aviator. Um, and so I got to, you know, that's kind of was in me or those are visions that I saw growing up as a child. Uh, and the only, the other thing too, is we would watch the army Navy game as a family. And I just remember like my mom, who she loved those uniforms. And, uh, that, that like stuck with me. Uh, so what I was your loved, dad's, what was his commissioning source? He was ROTC. So, okay. Yeah, he came to ROTC. He went to flight school, Vietnam. He was one of the first black Army aviators. Uh, he, he graduated place a place called Fort Waters in Texas. Um, and that's you know, pre-moving everything down to Fort Rucker, so way, way back in the day. Um and so it's really interesting, kind of a nice legacy inside of your family and, you know, listen to his experiences. Uh, as a kid growing up, I mean, we lived a lot of times like right there on the airfield, just the way the Army was in Germany, uh, like literally next to the airfield. Like I could watch watch my old man walk across, pre-fight his aircraft with his, with his crew and sit there the whole time and watch him take off. And so it's just awesome visions of, you know, the child. See, did you ever fly with him? Did he, did he ever like, never, break, no, no, never I, broke right. Never, never did. I'm glad he didn't. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I don't even know if I had even knew to ask him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but no, we never, we never, no, nobody in the family ever went out. We just watched him and wave, wave to him. But, so I mean, now I have to. I'm thinking about like like high school athletics when you're in Germany, like working like at a DOD school. It's hard to get noticed by these coaches. I think, right? I mean, uh, like looking now. I mean, I got kids that are you know gone off to college and whatnot, and there's this whole like process of connecting with coaches. Was that in place back then? I don't think so, right? No, no, and it, it is hard. It was it was really hard. Uh, I remember in Germany. He, he, Pete Andreziak, he's a general of uh, Group 90. We we went in the same high school. Pete played like a year ahead of me or a year or two. And he was, I remember, I remember Pete was like on varsity. We would play around. Uh, and a guy named like, uh, Scott Hip, all these guys. And 
I would go out and play as a fan, get as these guys. And I would be on the freshman team or something. Uh, it, so it's different. It's like really kind of who you're, who you knew and how many, how many years you had already been at the school. Uh, not a lot of, like, like you mentioned, it's not, there's no coaches over there looking for anybody to, uh, <laughs> find to play sports, you know. You got enough talent in the state. So I lucked out, I think. Of well, you but you were an exceptional track star, right? So like it's it's a miracle that we got you for playing basketball after you were setting all these records yeah. na- nationwide <laughs> in track. But you were yeah. captain of our basketball team. You were you know an outstanding basketball player. But it almost wasn't the case that you were playing basketball. You could have been playing. You could you could have been doing track someplace. Yeah, almost. Uh, yeah, really, really considered doing it. It's just it was a. It was a sport I just picked up, so I wasn't like, I'm not going to go gamble the whole thing. I was like, I don't know if I really like it. I'm just good at it. I like me, I like jumping, but I was like, I don't know if I want to do that for four more years. But that kind of brings up like how I ended up at West Point, too. You know, uh, when I went on the visit, the, the coaches, it was like the one school that they go, oh, yeah, you could, you could do. Don't worry about it. You did basketball on track. No, no problem. I was like, hey, yeah, this is awesome. I'm going to give this a try. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think back then I weighed all of 160 pounds or 170 pounds or something. Uh, and so we, I ended up going to West Point. Beautiful uniforms, by the way. I was a, a track designated. To the school was that as your mom um, as your mom said yeah as my mom yeah so I went to the place nice nice uniforms but I was sold on that trip my father took me up there on a on a trip and it took me 10 seconds to realize that I wanted to be up there the building the structure the coach that um, we went around and met the you know talked to the um, some professors and just officers it just it was just real comforting and uh, the decision was pretty easy. How proud! Yeah. How proud he must have been of you, your father. Yes. Oh yeah. I, I would. Um. I hope that I've lived to make make him uh, make him happy. Um, he passed away whenever I was a young lieutenant. He did get to see me graduate from West Point and uh, flight school. So that's that's always you know comforting to know. But uh, he was a obviously re- re- remarkable man uh, to put those type of vision in you as a child that, that type of work ethic that you have to see so then you end up going to the prep school right because they they wanted to give you a year to develop in terms of basketball yeah so prep school is all about um you know the, let's be honest it it's all about development on the, on the sports teams you know and, and it's it's and, and so that's one thing. And then it's just, it, it's also the place you can hone your, make your first year as a cadet a little bit easier as it's just, or it was. I don't, I'm not sure if it's now, but doing math and um, English and then sports. But I tell you this, these shout out to all my prepsters, but uh, West Point prep school back in the day, the best experience ever. Loved it. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. 
I've probably done that for 26 years. I could. <laughs> yeah. It was a good time. Uh, I, I, I'm jealous. I wish I had gone to prep school because it was it was such a good time, sounds like. They should make everybody go. They, they should just, they should have left it at mom at a year and for everybody to cycle through that place. I mean, one, you you get the experience in the Army. You, know, you get the drill sergeant in there, you know, but uh, the classmates, you get some really, you meet some really close, um, friends, real quick. I mean, even more so than than um, what you did at the academy. Uh, seem, seem to be a little bit easier. I don't know if it's the challenge of just competing to get into into West Point. So, and what a close knit group. I mean, I think if you talk to any presser, like they, we know everyone, everyone tracks um, the pressers. It's just. It's just what a, what an, an awesome group. Yeah, there, there's a lot of comments in the feed co- coming through about all the prepsers. They're all sounding out about how great, what a great time it was. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, I was I went through Fort Monmouth today. I was actually down there for something uh, today, and I drove through. It's a it's like a ghost town. It's completely abandoned. Oh, wow. All the buildings are boarded up, and and grass is all high in the in the front and. It looks like, uh, you know, it looks looks really terrible, you know. So, I don't know what they're going to hey, do with it. Hey, hey, this is now. This is interesting. Talk to a perspective on the prep school. Someone, you know, you come out of uh, you're headed to West Point, and I get there, and they tell you that these you're going to the option to go to the prep school. You want to do it? Yeah, yeah, I'll go to do this prep school thing. Um, you get there and they're like, hey, about half the classes they're gonna come from the regular army. They're like, what? Why would people be coming to the prep school? Why are they gonna cycle through Westwood? I am telling you, it shows you like how awesome the army is. The, the group that we had, um, you know, Scott Clinton, Mike Ash, these guys coming straight out of the army, Bogota. Brilliant, <laughs> and you see these soldiers. I mean, they're strapped. They uh, back when you had to shine shoes, they shine their shoes in like one minute. Uh, brilliant in the classroom. Uh, just, just wow! It just shows you how 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 cool the army is. And, and so that was like my first shot. Is like, wow, these soldiers. If this is any indication of what's what's in the army. The, the pressers that they pulled out of there, they, they, they set the standard. It is really amazing. You know, like you, you hear these stories of, you know, some lieutenant or some company commander talking to, you know, the driver or talking to the admin guy and say, hey, you know, you seem to be really, you seem to be really like, you know, good at this stuff and you got some, you got some intellect and you ever consider going to West Point. Next thing you know, like career army officer, you know, comes out of like, like a, <laughs> You know, Dave Baxter, you know, he's, he's still still serving to this day, you know. And, yeah, uh, another one. I mean, you just pull them up. They're, those guys are unreal. Yeah, yeah. So um, so then, so prep school was, was a blast. Then you get to good old company H1, Root Hog or Die. So t- t- tell, me about some of these, tell me about die. some of these characters. I know, I know a oh couple of these guys. I got my, my stunt double. My stunt double's over there. That's uh, Brent Crabtree. Brent. He's my stunt Brent. double. Yeah. 
what a group. Like they put the craziest, and I'm sure every company's that way. Like they just by design mix y'all up and you end up in here. And first thing in your mind is like, what the F? Um, but yeah, crab. <laughs> what a character. <laughs> And you had I Sam, love that dude. You had, love you had, and you had Sam Crab. Tabot. Sam, Sam Tabot from oh, Cameroon, right? From from Cameroon. Sam, and he couldn't Samuel, speak any English. Samuel Orak Tabak cannot speak one lick of um, English when he showed up at school. I think he learned all his English. Speaking of Brent Crabtree and, uh, uh, and Kevin White, who I've I'll probably blame it on him. I think all he did was teach him curse words. The, you know, <laughs> his indoctrination to the United States. Uh, and so Sam would, it, it was nothing for him to like come in the room and tell you, fuck you, you know. <laughs> like, Hello, good. Why do you fucking guy, you fucking crazy. <laughs> like, oh, Rock. That's what I'm supposed to say. Yeah. Oh, Samuel O'Rock Yeah, we had him. We had, uh, uh, shoot, Carlos Camino, you know, speaking multiple languages. Just brilliant guys in, uh, in, in H1, too. Jason Hodel, um, took a class with him. I think me and Moose Joy were in this management class. And Jason Hodel's correcting. The instructor who has a uh, Harvard degree, so no surprise there. He's the CEO of Gold uh, Candy. Uh, you got a. Uh, then we had those incredible ladies. Yeah, we had Annette, then Couch. Um, then we had Marilyn King and uh, Susan Fernandez. So she's married to today, but I look at them. Uh, I always marvel at everyone's transformation. Susan is, you know, remarkable in business, raised a family, and here she is, like, now a physical fitness instructor. Um, you know, and Vaughn was raising her family while staying in the military. It's incredible if you think about it. And Marilyn, I think she went, flew helicopters, working in a uh, business at DuPont and raising family so just from remarkable individuals yeah we got your stunt double uh, yeah i call my stunt double so, yeah i love that guy by the way like we, we're i don't know, we just i don't know if we had classes we were buddies at school whatever and like you know a lot of people confuse us if you look at us face to face like, like side by we don't look anything alike but i guess we we do look alike to people like our profile or whatever and i remember i was like we were both in korea together and uh, somebody's asking, like, like, yeah. weren't you just here, Crabtree? I'm like, I'm not Crabtree, but I know who that is because he's my classmate. So I don't think we look the same anymore. I got a lot more gray hair, and he's kept his, yeah. he's kept his girlish figure a little, a little better than I have. So I don't think you're going to confuse us anytime now. But um, Crab, he, what a good dude. Crab, Crab has a, he has a uh, slightly different accent, too. Yeah, right. You hear us talk. They got the Jersey guy, and you got the. Where's he from? Is he somewhere south, right? Tennessee or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he'll tell you a thousand million times. <laughs> but uh, I love the wild crab crab tree. I, I would tell some crab tree stories. It just I, I don't know if 
came from on the podcast. We see <laughs> Mike Ball. We can put, we'll, 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 we'll password protect this thing. Go go but for it. Password password protect it. But uh, so we that that motley proved you know Brian Key. I didn't mention it. Brian Keywax and uh, CIA. It just every every incredible. Thatch. Just Jeanette. Thatch. Yeah, Thatch. And another wrestler. Thatch is like this smartest dude on earth. That's a brilliant dude. Um, but what a what a crew! But somehow we got um, we got roped into. I don't know how we ended up being the H one HDT, like the hog drinking team. Uh, don't even ask me why it's but it just just a crazy you know just a crazy group in fact we, we we found the firsty club um pretty much tore that thing up every every night when probably should have just been on a friday night but crabs and mike ball they would get <laughs> they go have a few go into their room and for whatever reason brick crabs you come down the hall butt naked <laughs> Hands up. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like New York Times front page. That's front page New York Times these days. Oh yeah, it's, it's uh, not kid, yeah, decent exposure. <laughs> like it'd be yeah. It is not pass and go. Oh my god. He and my mom, what a, that's crazy. Oh man. Yeah. But uh yeah, just a great way we had a and we are a close knit company. Each every one of them. Just a really good group, but proud of them all. You know, I think if you, you know, you, you say like, think about like, hey, what is a, what are like some successful classmates that you have, and you want to go into like their business stuff. That's easy. Like, it's ama- It's hard. Amazing. At right points, you know, you know, we got a CEO sitting in there, but we also got folks who just change lives. I mean, Dave Hell, this guy, he'll tell you went to the extremes in the army um, with substance, right? Mm-hmm. And he pulls through and is like mentoring. And so I, and he's a guy, I'll be driving and he would just call and just check on me. Um, for not, nothing more than that. Just to see how you're doing. Uh, and so to, to watch, you know, their lives transform. That's, that's what the, the success is, you know, you like to hear about Jeff Simpson. Take, oh, good. Yeah, not taking away anything against uh, all the other folks, the, you know, the ones that kind of um, bring the tears there. And then speaking of your your body double, um, you know, Kravitz guy is mentoring. You know, kids, his big brother. Yeah, he's just such and a good guy. Amazing yeah. guy. Yeah, love him. Make my, body, yeah, he, my my stunt double makes me very proud. Yeah, he and Andy just good. Those two, what a couple! Uh, uh, awesome, awesome. Jeff Simpson was on here saying the best best Army backcourt in in history was uh, Kevin and Derek Canada. Derek Canada, there's the name. That dude is by far. Now you, you know you left the academy early. Mm-hmm. He and I show <laughs> we show up at. Uh, so they do this. They bring all the basketball players in, and they're like, you, know, you play this pickup game for your first time with your team. 
And uh, I remember Coach said, oh, yeah, we got a couple of recruits. None of them, none of them is, uh, they're going to be as good as you. You'll, you'll top them all. You'll, you'll, you should start easy. I go out, I start playing. There's, I walk up. There's another guy. He's like 6'3". I'm like, what the hell? Who is this? We're guarding each other. Derek runs down, shoots from like half court, pushing the thing, um, runs down the court, reverse slams, jumping higher now. I was like, what in the world? Who is this? Uh, but he is Derek Canada um, was easily the best basketball player to ever step foot in an army on the army uniform mm-hmm. or wear it easy. And now that's hard because you think about the ones that's come through Kevin Houston. That uh, Derek was probably on path to break all those records. Not it's not even close. Guy's amazing. Yeah, he was in my so Butner squad, and he, uh, he, yeah. he, you know, the army, army lost uh, what would have been an outstanding officer by by not having him finish at uh, at the academy. So absolutely, yeah. and one of the like the most. I, I we can go into like how he ended up. Uh, being he, he, went academy, Iona, but, he went to Iona. He went to Iona. He's got a great career. I think he's even on our Facebook page, our class Facebook page. I think he he's, I think he's on that. Yeah, so he's but, a tremendous individual. Tremendous, and the thing about Derek is, he's like the most honest person. Like when you think of somebody like gets kicked out on honor, but he's the most honest person I've ever I've ever met. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh man, but uh, he's what, what a guy. Yeah, but now yeah. I, I can't. Um, I won't put myself in the in the in the same line as Derek Canada. That dude is way better than. Um, so who, ever, who are the other 91 basketball players that you were on the team with? So, oh, yeah. So it's just um, Chad Michelson and uh, Larry Ganewitz. Chad Michelson, I don't know if anybody knows this, but he, he led the country in three-point shooting percentage. And so he, Chad Michelson is one, I would, I say, he, he may have been before um, his time because in today's basketball, where it's nothing but threes, we'd be watching Chad in the pros. He couldn't miss. He mm. could. He could. He, Chad Michaels. <laughs> I would put him uh, in the mix with like a Steph Curry shootout, no doubt. And I'm not not even messing with it. The dude lights out. He could shoot the ball from nearly half court with a jump shot and just clean it. Um, and so I was like, hey, why didn't he play and stuff at, at West Point? Uh, this is different. This is a different type of basketball. And so back then, you you had to drive, get everything in, and with uh, speed and quickness, so you could get the three. But in, the, in today's basketball, Chad would be a superstar. Uh, and then there's uh, Larry Ganewicz, who is a uh, reserve colonel, by the way. Congrats, Larry. Cool. Um, Congratulations. And yeah, yeah. He's, you know, runs business and staying in, and uh, I think it's like his adventure. But, uh, yeah, Larry Larry and Chad, those those, those dudes are awesome. And then, of course, we had Joe Harris in there with us, another lights out shooter. I bet you Joe would probably um, couldn't, couldn't stroke it like Chad, but he could definitely drill that thing. 
So, Kev, we're one hour into our podcast here. We try to cut it off an hour and a half. So it just like, time time goes by so fast, right? We're we're only just at West Point, <laughs> and you got a 20, yeah. 26, 26 year career, uh, twenty seven year career in the military. We want to talk about and also talk about some other things around uh, family and and awareness of mental illness. We want to also get to some of these heavier okay. topics as well. But um, you know, but just you know, tremendous. Uh, experience at West Point. You're an awesome leader on our, on our team, the, the captain of the, of the, and then also well, we got to touch on this a little bit. You're a grad assistant, right? That's a whole different side of the Academy that we, most of us never saw, right? Like you basically were firsties with, with rank is what you were basically. As oh a, yeah. A, yeah. Oh yeah. And then Larry, Larry and Chad are captains. Uh, but yeah, at the, at the, at the uh, prep school, or you, I went to <laughs> to be the grad assistant uh, down at <laughs> Fort Monmouth at the prep school. So it's me, Otto Leone, Steph Sutton, and uh, Anthony Noto. We we were the <laughs> we were the leadership. And so you're not a lieutenant. You're, well, you're a lieutenant, but not really. You haven't done anything, and you're not a cadet because you graduated. And so you're. You got money. You're like, you got you money. Got money. You got no debt. You got a car. <laughs> and basically no responsibility, right? You, you, hey, you got no responsibility. And you just left the school where you couldn't do anything. Uh, and so you're like unleashed into Monmouth, New Jersey, eating down. Uh, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, you definitely got to put put that, that thing on a password protected <laughs> yeah those those yep. were some good times and then and then up at the academy you got the people that were the grad assistants uh for the teams right so you had Brent yeah. born i think holly was there and oh. and mark west that's the fact in fact that's when they started dating each other seriously i think and then you had who else is up there yep. uh Fred- Wesley's there chad michelson was up there brent born um billy o'brien yeah. i think Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so Billy O'Brien and Brent Bourne were both in F1, my company, <laughs> and they were roommates. And I think they they might have got themselves in a little bit of trouble. And, then, <laughs> and for I don't know, some something happened, and the just saying, you know what? Why don't you guys just go to OBC right now? Just get the hell out of here. So <laughs> yeah, they get they got shipped that early. Yeah. Like, get out of here. You're, you're you're gonna have to go to class. Yeah, enough of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised, uh, even down there, uh, <laughs> it was so funny. Steph Tutton, bless her heart. So she, she would be our designated driver. <laughs> so me and, me and Otto or Anthony would convince her to like go out on a Tuesday night and just drive up and down, down and eat down. to like various little bars or whatever. Go in there and be like two people. <laughs> Me and Otto, we just started up, and uh, bless her, she drives around. Did you guys first. ever go to the track there? There's a track down there. There's like a horse track. Horse track. We we didn't do it. I don't. I don't. That's I where. We that's, were, uh, that's that's literally where I was today. I was at that horse track because there's oh, a, a fundraiser for a nonprofit and homelessness, and they did it there. So I was there. That's why I went through Fort Monmouth. So that's a crazy. Oh, I mean, that's that's just like there's beer flowing all over the place. I'm surprised you guys didn't go there. Yeah, I am too. Maybe I, I don't remember going. 
Um, but I, <laughs> yeah, we've had enough trouble locally. Um, Otto, me, <laughs> me and Otto Leon, every time I see him, it is so funny. Like, uh, I'll, I'll walk up, I'll see Otto, and he just starts laughing. He, and it's all about the same story. So we we ended up, we go to this um, uh, club, right? That, yeah, they do maybe like, you know, a little dancing or whatever's going on. And so we walk in there and we start drinking. It's, it's us, we're in there drinking it up. Um, we get thrown out <laughs> of the club by the bouncers, like <laughs> like literally by the bouncers, run off into like Auto Leo's car in the parking lot. They're chasing us. But, like the whole, the, I, don't, I don't even remember what we did inside the club either. Get in his car, <laughs> driving like around in the parking lot, and they start shooting at us. Like, Sort of what? Shooting? Shooting. It, it, like a weapon? Shoot, like shooting. We, we still this day, that's why we laugh. We're like, were they shooting bullets or what? <laughs> but we're driving around the park like, they're shooting at something. Oh my Stuff God. Ricker, ricocheting off the of his feet. <laughs> really? Like shots fired? Like something. BBs oh or shots yeah. or bullets. Maybe it was a blank something. or something. Maybe they're Blanks blanks. Hilarious. But they threw us out on our butt. Joe says oh. rock salt. It was a rock salt gun. Joe, Joe's an expert here at weapons. Rock salt. There's, that's probably what it was. Rock salt. rock salt shells. Yeah. 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 Rock salt shells. Probably, yeah, trying to stun us or something. We were. <laughs> so yeah, Joe, Joe, and I, Joe and I grew up. Joe and I grew up in this little town of Boundbrook. Did you know Eddie McLean growing up? You know yeah. Eddie McLean? Oh, yeah. Eddie McLean. So this is it's it's a miracle that I made it through like grammar school because Eddie McLean is my buddy. Eddie McLean shot a blank at the mailman. At the mailman. Are you serious? I swear to God. And, th- and not only that, but like like he would he would like shoot like like bow and arrows and like shoot rabbits in the front yard and stuff. Like that. And this is New Jersey. It's not like you know out in the country, right? And so this mailman comes up. Eddie comes out like ten feet away. Points a points a weapon at him and shoots a blank at the mailman. And and this poor man so this poor mailman just about shoot himself. But the thing is he was he was a known alcoholic, right? This guy was always drunk, right? So he just basically we just everybody just flat out denied it, right? So that right. guy's always drunk isn't always talking about and, but he really did it. He shot a blank at the mailman. <laughs> You don't think about the risk. I mean, oh, the, the how about the risk of these kids like running around with their with their parents, like you know, uh, you know, like uh, it was like a thirty eight or something they right, shot. Yeah. Right. Oh my god! I know it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, you could get away with that back in the day. Oh my god! Back, yeah. Back you know, in the yeah. day. Back in the day is yeah is right. But yeah. anyway, so uh, enough of crazy Boundbrook stories. We should. <laughs> so so Kev, uh, then so you go in, you go to flight school. So when you went to flight school, you were like a whole different time period right so did you like not were you not in flight school with any of these any of our classmates uh, so by the time i got to rucker most of the class was there they were just they were they like they were done with the main portion of flight school and i was just entering uh, so i was a little bit behind 
six months or so. Did you get to Panama it's, City it's, with those with those crazy? You know what? I showed up. Thank goodness that uh, Monica, my better half, had already uh, we'd already gotten married and you, stuff. You already betrothed. So, you already already, yeah. already hitched. Okay, so you. Oh uh, yeah. And so I was the more mature flight student, mm-hmm. and only only uh, went wild in the company of uh, Miss Monica. So, uh, I see. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but so the, the grad assistant thing, so you did the grad assistant thing for the first six months. You guys got married that winter, right? Winter of exactly. 92. There you go. All right. Cool. January of 92. Yeah. Good timeline. Yeah. To, to, yeah. To Miss, Miss Monica. And we drove uh, on this army, army journey, army journey together. That's when Brent and Judy got married too. Brent and Judy born, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, they winner sure of the are. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, Monica and and uh, Judy very close. Right. Yeah. Very very similar in personalities, and they they just click anyway. So, yeah. so, so, what was your favorite assignment in the army? What was the one that when you think about? Your your twenty six year career. What's the one that makes you the most proud or is the most memorable? Yeah, I I don't know. I think um, kind of the one that's most proud is I, I actually got called in whenever I was a major to to work at to kind of read to help fix Walter Reed, uh, and so that was neat to to get like the call to go do that. So I had a good enough record and had proved myself to be someone that the army would like select to go fix some things with, uh, with, with this commander, uh, McHenry. Like, uh, and so that, that was, it was, it was rewarding in the sense of like, you, you got to do, um, you got to see the benefits of your work like every day. You go get it right for, those um, those warriors who are coming back, uh, not not all together. You know, they, they just needed help and assistance. And so, very rewarding. You can see the outcome. A really big, important job for the army. I got to be a part of it. And so that that's like the you know I would say doing for others type of uh, job. Not that we all don't in service. We do every day, but um, to, to do it for the internal um, customer there, the soldiers there. Uh, if I was going to say about just in general, like where did I like enjoy serving other than the you know, prep school there? Cause I definitely would do that forever. Uh, my assignments in Korea, um, both of them, uh, I did a battalion command there and just what a great place to be a soldier. Um, and you just wake up every day and you get to, you're you're there, and you get to do the business. Um, and so I would I would say those, those assignments in Korea was it were those a company tours? They um they um one of them was I didn't I I actually Monica never never came over. Um, she stayed in the states raising raising our three three kids. Um, we, we made a decision to just, you know, try to, you could call it, put as much stability as we could. So I, I would go back and forth, 
um, to wherever uh, from the time I made major. And so I ended up going four years in Korea. Monica kind of stayed put. They visited a lot. Um, two of those years, they couldn't come over anyway. But uh, in command, they could have, they could have, they could have come over. But yeah, different different types of tours, but very rewarding for, for being able to do that business. So you, you and Monica, you have you had, you have three three children that you had together, um, and so so let's let's talk about that because we have. Um, there, yeah. there's a, there, there's a strong message here. Uh, so, so tell me about your children. Yeah. So I have a uh, oldest, uh, who passed away, Kevin Charles, we called him Casey. Um, so he'd be 26. And we have, uh, Kayla, who's our middle, just graduated from Amherst. She's, uh, 23, uh, years old. And we have an, uh, another young little, uh, Angel there, it's Parker, and so she's 20. They are three years apart, almost to the month. Uh, and so, you know, what a lucky group we, we are, tight, you know, tight family that we have. But, uh, kind of, as you mentioned, we are one short on the earth, on the, on the earth, but still, you know, one family. So Casey, your oldest son, he he passed away in twenty seventeen. Is that right? Twenty twenty eighteen. Correct. Yeah. He passed away last year. Um. So he um he struggled with with bipolar, uh, and then he ended up kind of succumbing to. It. He had a he had a real extreme case of it and it you know the mental illness comes in different kind of different um shapes and everyone wants to you want to paint everything that's not right as either you know bipolar that's the easy one but uh i've since learned that's not everything's not not bipolar uh but i did learn we've learned as a family how powerful it is how, how powerful mental illness is uh, and so he just struggled with uh from high school. So he lived with it and just battled it every day uh, from the time he was 16 years old. It's just, it just tough, tough to watch. And, you know, as a parent, when you're, it's tough to watch or tough to be part of it um, just because you can't help your, there's no solution, right? There's no quick fix. And that's what we do as parents. You want to turn a switch and make it better. Uh, or you want to find a medicine and then take that pill and it'll go away and it's just not how it works. And so uh, your daughter Kayla is uh, has gotten the green light and yeah. approval to move forward with a documentary about her brother. Yeah, so we, what, uh, and our middle daughter, what an amazing young lady who, you know, some, I think some people, um, they need very little direction and energy and they're just driven. She's, she's one of those. Uh, and so she's put her effort and has teamed up with, uh, Glow Media. And I posted some on, on, um, 
my Facebook page with the link. But essentially, it's, he's partnered with um, with Flow Media, and they do educational videos uh, for schools, and they really primary focus on like men- mental illness and either substance or different impairing to that. Uh, and so they're doing a movie. It's called King of the World, and it is about Casey's life story uh, and with hopes that it can help others just get the conversation started on a mill. And this, this young lady is like directing it. Um, she's, she was in school to be a, a study in neuroscience. Her brother passed away. She was overseas in Prague doing her, whatever, the, her exchange class over there. Uh, came home for the funeral, went back, uh, and then, Ended up getting her degree, but over there, um, she was going to to Prague to, to actually learn how to direct, just because of the influence that her brother had on her anyway. Uh, and then, of course, he passed while he was over there, and she just like really got into it and like harnessed all her free time from studying from the for the MCAT and everything else, and pushed into this film. It is, they have completed filming and they're now in the edit phase and she's headed out to California in August and they'll finish the sound piece of it. It should be released in uh, October. It's going to show us a big screen in, in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland would be the debut wow. right there in the AFI theater. So it's pretty awesome. So during the 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 funeral there were a number of our classmates i think that were in attendance and you mentioned in the pre-call notes how important that yeah. was to you to have that support structure yeah and, and, I, and then and so i would all the classmates out there um i definitely appreciate the just the unwavering support from individuals of our class uh, just to kind of share how awesome of a group we are uh, kind of during my low, our family's lowest point that you can imagine. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but life does happen, you know. I had classmates that, you know, we were just talking about that you've never met, right? Uh, but they're your classmates. I had several, you know, when you say several come up in um, various forms, either through calls or writing. Uh, and even at the funeral, just walk up. So, hey, Kevin, we never met. I'm in the area. I'm just here to let you know support. I love you. Um, hang in there. And then that's it's incredible. Um, classmates who I have, you know, like their number saved. And I, you know, I went into mourning, hiding, call it whatever it is, but just trying to figure out how to do life. And there's a point I just, I wasn't at a place to call anybody. I had, um, we had, classmates who would just call like these hogs of mine um, and let the phone ring just to, just so they knew that they were thinking about me and they weren't expecting a return call or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I, when I talked to them months ago, Hey man, I, I saw you call. They go, I wouldn't, they're like, I wasn't expecting you to pick up. I was just calling to let you know, you know, John Palacisco, you know, he called, you know, connected with him one time and 
just, hey, man, I just want to make sure you're all right. How are you doing? So just everyone out there, just thanks. You know? um, and then, of course, I got the you know, some of the close fam- family that has always just checked on me. Um, the Georges, and you know, we're tight. Our families are just tight. Being a part of that is what how I'm able to, you know, wake up and make it make it through the day. Yeah. So appreciate it from the classmates. What a what an amazing group. Yeah, what a blessing I think that we all have that, you know, we've had this experience, this you know, this shared hardship of, you know, four years at at West Point and you know, kind of pushing through that and and uh, and then also. Uh, you know, our experiences in the army is all, is all common being there for each other. Um, yeah. you know, so I, I, I know that that was a huge, huge part of your support structure. And, um, you know, we, uh, you know, one, one of the stated, one of the stated objectives of this, uh, podcast is also remember our fallen, uh, classmates. And, and, um, so, you know, you, you have, um, a direct relationship to fallen classmate also, right? Aaron, Aaron Pogue. Yeah. Aaron Pogue, uh, root hog there, Mr. Aaron Pogue. We, uh, he, and, then, and I'm mean, this is all that kind of from the heart. I don't think a day has ever gone by where I haven't at some point of the day. Think about Aaron Pogue. I don't, it could just be, I see something, you know, blonde Arab person and saying, oh, it's Aaron. I can, you know, you can kind of hear his voice. We roomed together and, uh, Aaron was just, uh, just a nice person. Like he made such a genuine impression on, uh, just how nice someone could be soft spoken. Uh, and I don't think he could probably grew up, never had one in him. I mean, then it was every anger at Aaron, then we got to get him checked out. <laughs> really, really nice, but oh my God, Aaron Pogue loved him some ladies. <laughs> and so, and he's good looking, right? Aaron's track star, just a good looking guy. And uh, we would be up in our room studying, and I remember Aaron could look out on like Diagonal Walk, spot a girl, and be like, Yo, KV, see her? <laughs> like what? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get a date. But he'd leave and come back, and you'd see him uh, a week later with a new girl. Like, who's that, Aaron? Well, you remember I told you I was gonna go meet her. <laughs> so this Aaron was really, he's just really cool, cool dude. But um, yeah, I just remember our, he was. I remember him as being uh, just kind of like a real gentle soul. Like almost like a smooth, yeah. like smooth, smooth talker kind of like just very. Yeah, he was. That's what he. That was like our nickname for him, Mister Smooth. Aaron was just a, just a, like a real cool, 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 cool guy. Uh, and wow, what a what a track though. He, he did the steeplechase, and uh, he would uh, on top of all the academics and regular sports stuff. I mean, this track guy. You gotta, you gotta do your track practice. But yeah, I think in the long distance, you gotta. I'm not a distance runner, but you gotta like. I think every distance runner, you wake up about run 20 miles before you do anything. So Aaron would wake up, 
head out the door, run who knows how many miles before our PT session, and then do PT. I mean, it was amazing. Alex Rogers saying that Aaron Pogue was his sparring partner in Plebe. <laughs> how is that possible? Those guys, I don't, I don't remember them being yeah, anywhere near yeah. the same. Like, and it was never fair for anybody, like a football or a wrestler or you know, pairing up with Aaron <laughs> and knocking them out, <laughs> cleaning their clock because they they weighed the same. Yeah, but I think I, I think they did. I think Alex and and Aaron, yeah. Huh. Well, you know, I, I think you're a spiritual person. I, I try to think of myself as one as well. I mean, how wonderful it would be to think that, you know, Casey and Aaron are looking down and, and so proud of you and, and grateful, you know, for your your leadership and um, your um, parenting. And, and I know it's, you know, it's a different kind of leadership. It's a it's a shared burden with your family, and I, I I know that you and Monica have been through so much, and, and and continue to kind of move forward. And what an example you set for us, uh, you know, through that adversity yeah. to just carry on, and um, so and we're always there, you know, our 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 tribe, you know, our our class of '91, we're there for each other, like we were there for you in you know that difficult time we're there for each other and so thank you yeah. for, thank you for being on the on the call tonight and thank you for sharing with me that uh, very personal story um and the importance of um being able to monitor and and be, be closely connected to mental health issues um yeah so you know, kev any any um any final thoughts any things to leave with our classmates here and perspectives that you'd like to share yeah, I, I mean, I guess a couple uh, things after one, one is the class. Is just, I, I learned um, just how awesome the, the group is. I mean, I think from I remember notifying Scott, and because I, I, I didn't want to reach out, I didn't even know how to do it. And, uh, once when Casey passed, and it's one of those things where you see you're on Facebook, and you know, hey, someone somebody passed away or somebody family have tragedy and it's always somebody else and and then once it hits home they're like wow this is in my household and and so we're the we were the ones and uh just to watch scott energized everyone uh and so first i hope everyone can realize what what a special group of individuals we all are uh, to, to be part of such a you know, elite group. That's the first thing. Um, kind of parting. I did, I did learn something. Uh, and I don't know if I lived this way before. I always, I knew it. But I, not that's the way I do now. But um, first is life is like a blink. Like it, it, it is, it's quick. You can just think of 91. We're just here talking. It's like it's yesterday. Um, and we're however many years away um, from that point. And, it's, and it's, it goes quick. Um, and so one of, the, one of the things I picked up from Casey's past and country music, you know, one of, I got that 
looking at uh, what is it, Kid, Kenny Chesney talk about you know, 100 years and how fast it goes in, in the song. Like, you turn around, 50 years has gone by quick, right? And uh, the next 50 or however many more summers that each of each of have is going to come real quick. Yeah. I learned that tomorrow is not promised for you or your family. And uh, it is just not worth a bad discussion or something because it is in the grand scheme of things, whatever you're going through at that moment is probably not all that um, serious that you're making it out to be. And so I, I cherish moments so much more than I ever did. And, uh, and so the byproduct of uh, uh, losing losing Casey, I think I've, I've become a better person that I'm just more understanding. It takes a lot to get me riled up now. Um, I enjoy moments with good people, and and I try to place my, my myself around that. And I try to remove myself from stuff that I don't like. Like, why, why do stuff you don't want to do? Uh, so at work, I use, I, you know, everyone, you, you go happy new year or whatever. I, I send out a number instead of wishing people happy new year on my team. I, I send them out 31,500, uh, 31,536,000. I just send that number out. I'm like, hey, Kevin, what is that? That's the number of seconds in, in the year. That's your new year's resolution. And it's, uh, what are you going to do with each second? Like, are you wasting any of them? Or, and are you going to burn some of your seconds up with your family, arguing or doing whatever? Um, yeah, if I try to, I'm not perfect, but, uh, yeah, I try to cherish those seconds so much more now. My parting words for everybody, I hope you do. Uh, uh, I've, the tragedy that I've had, I don't want anybody to experience it. But the, the one thing I can tell you is the truth is that every second matters and tomorrow's not promised. So, but hey, thanks for having me on. No, I, uh, this is, this has been amazing. I, I'm so, um, humbled by your words and, and thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you know, one, one final announcement, speaking of moments, there's a moment this Thursday at 8 PM in Washington, DC, a bunch of our classmates are getting together. It's on Facebook. Paul Bogalka put it together with a Norm Litterini down there. So if you're in D.C., you should make the point of uh, Thursday to 8 p.m. get together. I wish I could be there. I'm going to absolutely make one of these Thursday night, one of these West Point grad get-togethers in D.C. when I'm down there, but I can't can't do it this week. But hopefully you yeah. guys can do it. Yeah, I'll try to. Yeah, anything with Paul, you know, is going to be what a – he's a trip. <laughs> yeah, uh, but what a, what a group, too. And he, yeah, I think – that's the thing too. And got to try to do more of that and spend it, spend it around people you like. Well, Kev, thanks again. Stick around after the uh, credits roll out here. So we're going to, we're going to wrap this thing up and uh, I want to thank everybody. It's been one year of the old grad podcast and we're going to continue to go strong. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast. Please check back on this Facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast.